Hello, welcome back to Pagan Preaching. I'm your host, Ethne Aon, and it's been a minute since I spoke with you last, but I am officially moved and settled, and all of my responsibilities that have come up since we've last spoke are in order, so hopefully my hiatus should be over. And I, I want to remind you that the plan is that I will be posting every other Sunday just so I can produce a higher quality show and give myself time to rest. But I can avoid it no longer. I got to talk about Loki. This has been something that's been recommended to me by a couple listeners as well as some of my own family and friends that listen to the show. I was a little intimidated by Loki because those of you that work with Loki know he is a big presence. And also the research for Loki was really tricky because it's just the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It really muddied up like all of my search results for Loki, but I did end up finding really great resources. And I I think I used just these two. If I find anything else, I'll post it in the show notes. But uh, I used the Mythology Podcast three-part series on Loki, as well as the Loki page on Mythopedia. Um, so I'll go ahead and post all of that in the show notes. But Loki, as you probably all know, is the Norse god of mischief. He's often referred to as a trickster. He is described as fair-skinned with red hair and green eyes. He is the son of the giant Farbauti and Lofi, whose race is unknown. But as a trickster, Loki is a shapeshifter and master of disguise, and he is able to change his species and sex at will. And fun fact, because of his shapeshifting abilities, Loki is the only god who is both a mother and a father. But really important context for this episode, I'm going to be taking a kind approach to Loki here because his story is just so much more complex than a trickster or a villain. But we all know throughout ancient paganism, some myths are just lost to time and translation and proselytization. And that's true, especially of ancient Nordic traditions. But that said, Loki is persistent throughout the myths we do have, though his own origin story is unclear. Uh, the current understanding is that Loki was kidnapped from Jotunheim by the Aesir as an infant and raised in Asgard. And I am going to try to pronounce the names of everything as accurately as I can. Uh, I may embarrass myself and it may sound dumb, but Trying to get the pronunciation right, at least trying, is really important to me. So if you cringe, bear with me. So he's raised in Asgard, and I think it's this displacement from Jotunheim to Asgard that I understand as a reasoning behind Loki's various shenanigans. Like, perhaps he's a trickster and doesn't quite get along with the Aesir simply because he's not one of them. Like, not because he's inherently evil, in fact, through his shenanigans, he frequently improves the livelihood of his Asgardian companions, particularly in the myth of the competition he instigates between the sons of Ivaldi and the dwarf brothers Brokir and Sindri. When Loki pranks Thor's wife, Sif, by shaving her hair, Thor demands Loki return it to her head. And Loki says, well, I'm a really talented deity, but I am even I am unable to return shaven, shaven, <laughs> shaved hair to somebody's head. 
Uh, so Loki's solution is to visit the sons of Ivaldi in Svartalheim, and he asks them to forge new hair for Siv, as they are the most masterful of all the craftsmen. And the sons of Ivaldi end up not only forging Sif's hair, but two other magical items. The ship Skidblatnir, which could fold up so small it could fit in a pocket, and when the sails were up, you could always find wind, and Gungnir, a spear so sharp it could penetrate Yggdrasil. So after the sons of Ivaldi have completed these items, Loki has an idea to pit them against another set of great craftsmen, the dwarf brothers Brokir and Sindri. But Brokir and Sindri knew that Loki was up to something and bet Loki his own head that they could forge better than the sons of Ivaldi. And the brothers then crafted Golinburti, a boar so bright in its mane and so golden in its mane that it could light through the night's darkness and it could also run through air and water. Drapnir, a golden ring that produces eight identical rings every ninth night, and Mjolnir, Thor's famous unstoppable hammer. After these items were forged, Loki gave each of them to his Aesir companions, including Sif, who did get her hair back, and eventually Brokir and Sindri won the competition, and Loki was able to talk his way out of losing his head. But the point I'm getting at here is that with this myth, Loki did prank Sif, yes, and he enraged Thor, but in the end, he put himself in danger in order to give the Aesir more than Sif's hair. Not to put too fine a point on it, but Loki gave each of these creations to the Aesir. He didn't keep anything for himself. And when Thor managed to lose Mjolnir, Loki only assisted in retrieving it from the king of the giants. Like, was Thor's pride bruised because Loki's plan involved Thor dressing as Freya to trick the king of the giants? Well, yeah, but that seems hardly consequential when the end result was Thor retrieving the most powerful weapon the Aesir ever had. And Loki asked nothing in return. Loki even gifted his son Slepnir, the eight-legged horse, to Odin, and Slepnir became one of Odin's defining characteristics and his own mythos. But despite his mischief, Loki continues to give to the Aesir. And what does he get in return? But he's bound by his son's entrails in a cave with a venomous snake dripping poison over his face until Ragnarok. Like, that hardly seems fair. And you may be saying... Oh, Ethne, but Loki is the cause of Baltar's death. And he is also the cause that Baltar is trapped in hell until Ragnarok. And that's true. But I encourage you to listen to all of the episodes on Loki by the mythology podcast from Parcast. Because it tells Loki's story in a more sympathetic light. And it shows his multifaceted nature. And I wasn't able to capture all three hours of their series here in this show, but you really should check it out if you want to learn more about Loki and how they portray his purpose as the enforcer of the Aesir's consequences. But anyway, after the Aesir had taken Loki's children, Hel, Fenrir, and, oh, Lord help me, Jormungandr from their mother, Engerboda, and banished them from their home realms. And after Finrir was tortured by the Aesir, 
after Loki had enough of being the scapegoat of and yet the generous giver to the Asgardians, Balthazar's death was prophesized. Now, if I'm Loki, I would be hard-pressed to be upset about that prophecy. But Loki watches as Balthazar's family and Balthazar himself try to change his fate, and they joyfully try to kill Balthazar once they believe him to be invincible. And at this point, what motivation does Loki have to not trick Balthazar's brother into killing him? He's watched the Aesir arrogantly try to outrun their fate and then celebrate their pseudo-victory. Meanwhile, Loki, who has been repeatedly wronged by the Aesir, fervently cementing his fate of becoming a monster by wronging him at every chance. And he he wants to force Baltar to embrace his fate as well, instead of being able to outrun it. And so see, it's so much more complicated than Loki tricking poor old Hoder into killing Baltar. The mythology podcast argues that the Aesir give Loki really no choice but to become a vengeful monster, and I'm inclined to agree with them. So what's the message in all of Loki's tragedy? So first, and maybe most obviously, I would say it's that chaos and mayhem are necessary to our growth. What lessons will we learn if all our plans go exactly as we want them to? if there's no work or strategy in our journeys. We need wrenches thrown in our plans to expand our minds and sharpen our wits. Loki isn't mischievous to no end. His mischief often benefits the Aesir by either material gain or forcing them to grow as characters. And that is what I love about paganism. Our gods are great and powerful and kind, but they have room to grow. So in this kind of narrative, when the gods are not omnipotent and static, but dynamic and capable of learning and growing, you know, on a similar but albeit grander scale than ourselves, there needs to be an agent to instigate that growth. And in Norse paganism, that agent is Loki. Also, Loki pushes hard against the ideas of good and evil. I mentioned earlier that the current understanding of Loki is that he was kidnapped from his home among the giants. And if that understanding is correct, why should we judge his character in comparison to Asgardian standards? He's from Jotunheim, and his behavior makes perfect sense in a Jotunheim context. It's like the Asgardians took a fish out of water and then criticized him and punished his children because he couldn't breathe air. Like, okay, so (laughs) maybe that's a little more abstracted and simplified than the truth, but... I hope you understand what I'm getting at. Like, according to this mythos, Loki never really had a chance for success unless he wanted to shed his identity, ignore his true self, and just assimilate into Asgardian culture because it was easier for the Aesir to deal with. And let's not forget, he was brought to Asgard against his will. And I think most of us pagans can see ourselves at least a little bit in the story of Loki we also push the bounds of what's good and what's evil. And like, sure, some of us are all about love and light and goodwill, but there are many of us that embrace paths that are seen as neutral and even dark. But even the love and light pagans are pushing against the societal standard of goodness just by being pagan. 
I, I would wager that almost all pagans, if not all, also feel like fish out of water, like like residents in a strange and unfamiliar land. Maybe you feel punished because you are true to yourself. You're not willing to shed your identity, ignore your true self, and assimilate to the outside culture because it makes it easier for others to deal with. Okay, so does that mean you go out and kill the most beloved guy in your town? Like, obviously not. But do you metaphorically attack your town's beloved standards of goodness because they are hypocritical and self-righteous? Absolutely. And lastly, I think we can take this final message from Loki that there is such importance in embracing chaos. This may be pretty similar to my original point, but imagine what we can create if we immerse ourselves in chaos every once in a while. Maybe not like a world serpent or an eight-legged horse, but still something amazing. I think I've already beat this into your heads in previous episodes, but for the sake of really driving my point home, we cannot live in sustained order, nor can we live in unending chaos. All things must be in balance. If we uh, like don't allow ourselves to stray from order, we become stagnant and we miss the opportunity to explore our sentience. But if we only know chaos, we will become scattered and over. I hope this context helps show you that Loki isn't evil, and I would argue not a trickster, but he's a necessary balance. Uh, so in today's episode, I just have one prayer for you because I thought it was so concise and perfect that I didn't need any others. And it's as follows. It's called Prayer to Loki. I'll put a link to this in the show notes as well. In the blistering furnace of our hearts, may you be hailed. In the fierce rantings of mind and memory, may you be hailed. In the tumultuous storm of our senses, may we gasp and chant and sing your praises. May our lips burn with whispered adorations to you. May our bodies shake in the onslaught of your presence. Where you are honored, there be in all of your glory. Where you are reviled, there also be and work your cunning wiles. May you ever be the unquiet thought, the unruly impulse, the unwary stirring of holy cravings, the longing for internal revolution, the descant mad, the dervish-driven, prophetic-spewing roar that drives us ever and always unceasingly, unmercifully into the arms of our own liberation. Hail Loki, liberator, cunning, wild, and wise. May you ever be hailed. That said, go forth and find the chaos you need to live in balance. Challenge the ideas of right and wrong and grow into the truest form of yourself. And that is kind of a weird way to end it, but that's about all I have for you. If you would like to support me in the show, you can purchase a tarot reading on my Facebook page, Ethna and Tarot, and I will soon be able to offer runes as well, so keep an eye out for that. Um, or you could make a donation to my Venmo, Ethne-Aon. You're also always welcome to find me on Facebook and Twitter at Pagan Preaching, 
or feel free to send me an email at ethne.aon at yahoo.com with any requests, questions, concerns, or just to chat. And lastly, please consider joining our Discord server if that holds any interest to you. And thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you all in another couple of weeks.